They say money can't buy happiness. They also say that it's more comfortable to cry in a Lamborghini or a retractable ceiling bed than in a cardboard box. Technicalities aside, both points are actually very valid. I mean, I can still carry my core problems into a life of wealth and sufficiency, yet struggle with them immensely. But access to shelter and comfort eliminates two items on the list of my concerns and will allow me to focus on getting the help that I need. We all deserve to have and enjoy nice things, so long as we understand that they are a source of happiness, but not joy, which is what all of us are actually actively seeking. I love this week's case because it gives us both perspectives of this notion. But mostly because, as usual, it's really, really messy. These are the crimes that happen under the cloak of the boardroom. They are often overlooked as victimless and unimportant. But we are the victims and we are fed up of being attacked. My name is Crystal Mike. Welcome to Scam Kings. Plutus Payroll was a group of Australian finance companies that provided quote-unquote free payroll services to many businesses across the country between the years 2014 and 2017. Instead of going through the monthly labor of stringing together operations for salaries and the subsequent pay-as-you-go, also known as pay-as-you-earn taxes, companies would funnel money to Plutus and they would have done the accounting on their behalf. The businesses that Plutus serviced spanned a wide net from large private institutions to government offices and their businesses generally made life a lot easier. Now I know you all are tired of hearing this, but that is basically all of the information that we have on their existence. Their Facebook page has seemingly disappeared and the articles that try to explain the case focus on the individuals involved. Don't worry they're the main course. It's just always better to have a bit of background before getting into the meat of the story. Nevertheless, this is where the chaos begins. The idea for the scheme was a production of a collective, all top level, all generally untouchable. For three years, the executives involved, including Adam and Lauren Cranston, Jason Onley, and Simon Ankatil, conspired with each other to funnel pay-as-you-go withholding tax payments away from the Australian Tax Office or the ATO. How they managed to succeed for as long as they did was by setting up straw or dummy companies and placing dummy executives, usually crooks, drug addicts and even exotic dancers, at the helm before using those companies to perform the actual accounting procedures with the exception of paying the PAYG. Instead, the executives made it so that the companies would funnel part of the tax payments, at least 40% of what was owed, back to their pockets. They would then create false invoices so that the money could be transferred to their personal bank accounts. They would go through a cycle of winding up and restarting those companies so that their tracks could be properly hidden. These new businesses came up fitted with everything new, right down to the executive in charge. 
The ATO had been monitoring this movement for a while and eventually brought the curtain down in an extensive sting operation codenamed Elbrus, led by the Australian Federal Police or the AFP. Today, we will be looking at just three persons involved in the scandal because there's so many stories and the stories go quite deep due to how involved everyone is. Unsurprisingly, only one of them expressed true remorse for their crimes. Let's start with the man pegged as the main brain of this operation. In hindsight, Simon Ankatil should never have been trusted with leadership positions or access to huge sums of money. His greed and vices always greatly outweighed his business acumen. Prior to Plutus, he was listed as the founder of IA Tech, a strategy group, Good Ship Ventures, and Surveyors, companies all supposedly focused on the information tech aspects of business. E-Strategy became insolvent in 2012, owing to the ATU and American Express, just over $200,000. Before this happened, American Express calculated a four-month total of $100,000 at one point, just off visits at places like the Badabang Strip Joint in Sydney King's Cross in 2011. The CEO was listed as a Miss Jamaica Gibson mother of two with no fixed address or apparent experience in business management. But that was just one of the many businesses that operated and folded in this manner as part of the strategy to keep the ATU from discovering the true nature of their business. After the Elbus bust, he denied that Gibson was a stripper and claimed that he didn't know some of the establishments he visited were engaging in prostitution. Apparently, he was just merely in need of a stripper. Along with his co-conspirators, Ankatil ended up scamming over 165 million Australian dollars from the ATU in PYG taxes, goods and services, bagging just about 23 to 25 million for himself. The few legitimately subcontracted accounting businesses were only meant to be a front, as were the straw companies. The majority of the profits that they made were hidden overseas so that they could enjoy the benefits rather than having to share much with the ATU. Ankitil's lavish spending branched to Plutus's MO, throwing lavish parties to entice new business prospects, which at one point included hiring the 2013 Miss Wool Australia to be part of a meet and greet. Simon ended up pleading guilty in 2019 to conspiring to cause loss and dealing with the proceeds of crime valued at more than $1 million. He was ultimately sentenced in 2020 to seven and a half years in prison with the possibility of parole in five and a half years. In 2021, Australian Federal Police confiscated $16 million in assets from Ankatil. The items will be sold and the proceeds used by the Ministry of Home Affairs to support crime prevention, law enforcement and other community initiatives. Adam Cranston is the son of former ATO Deputy Commissioner Michael Cranston. Adam is listed as the co-chairman and managing director of Synet Limited, coincidentally the sole shareholder of Plutus Parole. Like Ankatil, Cranston had his vices. Where Ankatil's kryptonite was women, Cranston's was cars. He had a fleet of luxury vehicles, Porsches, a Mustang, a Ducati, all registered in the name of GNT Holdings, headed by an associate, Christopher Gillen. Cranston is, because his case is still yet to be tried, accused of being a party to the scheme headed by Ankatil. It is said that he used confidential ETU information that he got through his father to help avoid being caught when it was tax time. His sister Lauren is also a co-conspirator, accused of conspiring to defraud the Commonwealth of Australia. 
the trial is said to be joint. Now, after Elbrus, Aaron never quite settled down. He actually found work in another consulting firm and tried to link with George Alex, a notorious Australian fraudster himself. It was apparently part of his comeback plan after the court froze his assets acquired from the Plutus Bureau scheme. It obviously didn't pan out because there was an investigative piece done by the Australian Financial Review breaking down what should have been a highly unadvised meeting. In January of 2021, the court put off the trial after 12 weeks of prep saying that Cranston was unfit to represent himself in court, quote, even with my assistant. This is according to a unanimous legal opinion, by the way. The presiding judge pleaded with the state to grant him counsel so that the trial could continue. Good luck to them on that. Now, the last person that I want to talk about today is Joshua Kitson. I like the last two persons. Joshua has a bit more of my sympathy just because at the very least, he was honest about his reasoning. Now, y'all may not agree with me, but hear his story out first before making a final judgment. Joshua was hired to be the face of the business, according to Ankatil. He was responsible for charming people into buying what Plutus was selling, as well as hiring the persons that he felt he could control. He also distracted other general managers and executives who weren't involved at all from discovering the scam. He even paid a bribe in the millions of dollars to prevent another co-conspirator from outing the whole team to the media. Now, before you label him a scumbag like I know you wish to, and rightfully so, Joshua Kitson embodies the initial part of our opening statement. The articles covering his part of the story definitely show someone who had an almost childlike glee when he was able to manipulate other persons and run the ATU in circles with his good guy act. But at the end of it, he said that he only played a part in the crime because he realized that having what he had, meaning a nice girlfriend, lots of money, possessions, wasn't worth it. None of it made him happy, and when it all boiled down, he was still as empty as he had always been. The scam was an attempt to awaken the missing thing within him. To be fair, now that I'm recording this though, it does seem that this is something that a manipulator would say to get out of a bind. Which leaves me a bit more conflicted at the be- end than at the beginning. And I kind of like that. But, back on track, this is what he told investigators in the end. He was the only conspirator that expressed remorse at the end of it all. He was sentenced to just four and a half years in prison with the possibility of parole being available in just two and a half years. To be fair, I still like Joshua's angle the most because it genuinely seems that he was remorseful what he'd done. Now I can hear you calling me naive and I'm fine with that because I'm a sucker for a comeback story and this is a good one. The Plutus payroll scandal has been labelled the largest corporate scam in Australian history, defrauding the nation of millions and ruining the lives of many, including those of the perpetrators. But just goes to show that white-collar crime is very much impactful and can leave more victims in its wake than a slasher. The hope is that we all learn from this and, like Australia who has implemented a few more laws since this incident, learn to protect ourselves a lot better from the ones who are unfamiliar 
with the concept of enough. Information for this episode was sourced from the Australian Financial Review, Sydney Morning Herald, the Australian Tax Office, ABC.net, The Age, The Australian, and Antel Online. Hey there friend, thank you for listening to this episode as per usual. But don't go yet, I have a couple of podcast friends that I think you might enjoy just as much as you do me. And they want an opportunity to introduce themselves. Have a listen. Do you like someone that goes from topic to topic and tries to think of interesting things to say? Well, look no further than the Chaotic Neutral podcast, where I, your host, have on solo episodes and collabs like with podcasters and have fun while I do it. I like to talk about things from cats to drinking two quarts of apple juice from just cause. And if you are interested in my podcast, you can follow me on Twitter at KOneutralPod and Instagram at ChaoticNeutralPod. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. Following my breakdown of Stephanie Meyer's Twilight, I'll be digging deep into the raunchy Twilight fanfic turned erotic romance, Fifty Shades of Grey. Although I'm not sure romance is the best word to use. Join me every Monday and Friday for chapter by chapter analysis of the book that Salman Rushdie said made Twilight look like war and peace. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, or visit breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links and contact information. I have a feeling that it's going to get awkward, but let's get through this together. Happy reading!